Well, good evening. That's kind of weak. We'll try that again. Good evening. Oh, that was much better. Thank you. Makes me think you're awake for a few moments anyway. Genesis chapter 43 tonight. Genesis chapter 43. How many of you got some rain last night? Everybody but Brother Mike. Everybody has been talking about the rain. Everybody's been talking about how beautiful it was. And Brother Mike swears up and down. His house did not get any rain. So I guess his house is the only one in Pampa. But uh, anyway, I've enjoyed the rain. I thought it was beautiful. Slept with the windows open last night. And uh, I I loved it. So I thought it was great. That was understood a long time ago. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. All right, Genesis chapter 43, and uh, we'll get started with a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we are thankful for the beautiful weather that you've given us. It's nice to have a change of things. And Lord, I pray that you'd uh, help us tonight as we've taken these few moments to, to step away from the world. I pray that you'd help us to just give the attention to your word that we need to. God, I pray that uh, while this is something we are familiar with, I pray that we would still be willing to let it speak to our hearts tonight and be something that challenges us because we do need the challenge. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we began looking in verse number one, verse number one of chapter 43, and we were reminded of the severity of the famine that had struck the land there in Egypt and the surrounding areas. It said in verse number one that the famine was sore in the land which meant that this was causing problems for everyone. It was a source of stress. It was a source of distress and worry. And uh, so this was not just a bump in a road. This was a serious time for all the people that were living in that day. Because of the famine, because of the effect that it was having on so many people, we watched as Jacob or Israel sent or said to his nine other sons that they needed to go down to uh, Egypt and buy more corn. And you'll remember the response of the brothers or the sons. They told their father, no. They said, we are not going because the man said clearly that if we do not take Benjamin with us, we are not going to see his face, which meant we'll not be able to buy corn. And so what I tried to remind us of last week was this, is that they had an experience with Joseph, though they did not know it was Joseph. They had an experience with Joseph that left an impression on them. And the experience they had with Joseph was one that was deliberate and intentional by him. It was something that he did on purpose. And so I tried to remind us last week that over the course of our lives, we are going to pass and come into contact with thousands of people. It's just the way life works. And as that happens, people will develop an opinion of us based upon their brief encounter with us or their brief experience with us. And you and I need to be mindful of the experience we are creating in that person's life. We need them and we ought to desire for that person, whoever it may be, to walk away saying something to the effect that we are kind, that we are compassionate, that we are serious about our walk with God. Whatever it may be, we need to leave a good taste in that person's mouth, so to speak. But we will only do that if we are mindful of it and we are conscientious of it. It has to be a deliberate, intentional act on our part. If we are not deliberate and if we are not intentional, you know what we'll do? 
We'll just operate according to the flesh, and whatever mood we're in at the moment will be what people are introduced to, and uh, that's not always the best thing. Just a quick example. I was with someone yesterday, and not anyone from around here. I was having lunch with someone who is not from here, and I, I just watched his interaction. I just watched his, his manner of conduct with the server and a couple of other people, and I just thought, kind of cold, kind of harsh, not real warm, not real friendly. And I thought, boy, I'm really glad I preached that message last week because it's helping me to not want to be like that. So anyway, just a thought, just something to give consideration to. This evening we're going to move on, and as we do, I want to share a quick story with you, a quick thought that I would assume is not completely uncommon, at least the principle of it, uh, in your life as it is not obviously uncommon in my life. But on somewhat of a regular basis before I leave the house to come to the church and uh, to begin my work day, Susie on many, many occasions has said something like this, so what are your plans for the day? She's not interrogating me. She's not questioning me. She's making conversation with me because she's interested in the day or she knows nothing else to say to me before I leave. Regardless, I take it as she's interested in me, so she says something like this, what are your plans for the day? What do you have going on? And it's not uncommon for her to ask something like this, so when do you think you'll be home? When do you think you'll be home? And so we've had that conversation many, many times throughout the years. Well, guess what my children have picked up on over the years? A way to make conversation with dad before he leaves for the church. So on many occasions, the kids will say something like this. So, Dad, what are you doing today? I don't believe they're ultimately excited about it, but it's a good way to make conversation with Dad. So, so Dad, what are you going to be doing today? What are your plans today, Dad? Do you think you'll be home early or do you think you're going to stay later? Whatever it is they ask me, they do that, obviously, because of the influence that Susie has had on their life. Now, here's the point that I want us to think about, and here's what I want us to, to dwell upon for a couple of moments, and that is this. Whenever Susie or the kids ask me what I have planned for the day, generally speaking, I can tell them what I do have planned. Well, I plan on working on Sunday morning sermon. I've got to get the bulletins done, or I need to do the financial uh, transactions. I, I need to do some work outside, whatever it may be. I can pretty much tell them what my plans are for that day. And that's really no different than how your days work, correct? If I were to visit with you this evening and I were to say to you, so what do you have planned for tomorrow? Most of you could give me a general idea of what you think will take place tomorrow. You may say something like this, well, I've got to go here or I've got to do this or I need to take care of this. And, and that is your plan as it stands right now. But here's what every one of us knows. While we have that as a plan, every bit of that can change in a moment. All it takes is one phone call, and I recognize, okay, the sermon is going to have to be put on the back burner right now. I need to take care of this. I need to address this, whatever it may be. And, and so that phone call kind of disrupts what I had planned. It may be that I find out something is taking place, and I need to check on that. Or, or maybe a hospital visit needs to take place, and I wasn't aware of that. And so, so based upon some things that come into my day that I wasn't planning on, it completely changes or it completely refocuses my day 
And again, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Your days do not always go as scripted the night before. So what you think you're going to do on Thursday, what you think you're going to do tomorrow, that sounds good right now. But every bit of that could change within the hour. Every bit of that could change in the morning. Every bit of that could change by by 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning. And again, everything you thought you had planned, well, it's just completely different. As your plans change, we also know this to be true, don't we? Sometimes we're not as prepared for what is now facing us as we would like to be or as we need to be. Have you ever been in a situation like that? As a result of plans changing, well, that's not what I was planning on today, and I'm not quite ready for that, or we're not, uh, as a group, we're not ready for this. I'm not as ready as I'd like to be, and I'm not as ready as I need to be, and that's not a good position to be in. We would like to think we are ready for anything, but we're not. We simply are not. Now, why mention that? Well, this evening I want us to think about the position that Joseph has been in for over, yeah, Joseph, for over eight years. I got nervous. I thought, Jonah, all of a sudden, we're talking about Joseph tonight, okay? I want us to think about the position that Joseph is in. He is the second in command, correct? All right. As a result of the position that he is in, no doubt he had responsibilities and obligations in that position. Okay, second in command, that is a pretty high position to be in. So without question, he had responsibilities, he had obligations, he had things to do, and that would have been very much where his mind was at on a day-to-day basis. What needs to happen, what needs to take place as people come from Egypt and as people come from the surrounding areas to buy the corn, to buy the food, I've got to know what's going on here, I need to know what's going on here, I need to know what takes place here. And as all this is happening, what happens? Ten men show up whom he recognizes. We know it's his brothers, right? That was not on his radar. That was not what he was expecting. That was not what he was anticipating. He did not wake up that morning and say, Well, I've had it on my planner. I've had it on my calendar for the last several months. This is the day that they'll be arriving and and buying some corn and they'll be kneeling before me unbeknownst to them. That was not on Joseph's mind. Every bit of that encounter took him off guard. So as we've read through the scripture, here's what we're reminded of and here's what we have seen is that Joseph puts all of his brothers in ward or in prison for three days, correct? Seemingly, it is during that three days that Joseph begins to determine, okay, what is it I'm going to do with my brothers? How am I supposed to handle this? How am I supposed to address this? I was not planning on my brothers showing up. I never envisioned this taking place. This is something that my mind wasn't even contemplating, and yet here it is. It is surprising me. It is, it is taking place without any kind of warning, without any kind of announcement. So now what do I do? So what did Joseph do? Well, the scripture tells us that he kept the brother Simeon and he sent the nine brothers home. 
as he sent the brothers home, you find in chapter 42, verse number 30 or verse number 25, that he commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he unto them. So what did Joseph do to his nine brothers? He took good care of them. That is exactly what he did. He commanded that the sacks be filled. He gave them provision for the way home, and he returned their money into the sack. Joseph took good care of his brothers, sending nine of them on their way, but keeping uh, Simeon as an insurance policy. That was the plan. Now, why do I say that was the plan? Well, think about this. If anyone knew about the cruel and ruthless nature of the brothers, it was Joseph. I mean, they had beaten him over 20 years earlier, thrown him in a pit, and left him for dead for a little bit, or were going to until they decided to sell him as a slave, And then, though he wouldn't have known this, for 20-plus years they have lived a lie with their father. Letting the father believe that Joseph had been killed and torn apart by some wild animal. So if anyone knows about the cruel and ruthless nature of these brothers or the sons of Jacob, it was Joseph. And so to keep Simeon, yes, you would think under normal circumstances, the brothers would return for their brother at some point. Surely they would not just let him sit and rot in a jail cell in Egypt, but their track record proves they're willing to do such a thing. Okay, so Simeon is an insurance policy of sorts, but it's not necessarily the greatest of insurance policies. So here are the brothers, and they have returned back to their homeland. They have gone well stocked. They have gone back with good provision, which means this. If the brothers do come back, it will not be for a while. It's not going to be in a couple of days that the brothers return. It's not going to be next week that the brothers return. It has been almost two years by the time Joseph reveals himself to his brothers as to what is happening, as to how far they are into the famine. So it's not as though the brothers are there at the very first of the famine. And so we have to imagine that some time is going to pass between the first visit of the brothers and what will be the second visit of the brothers. So here's Joseph, and time has passed, and what position is he still in in the land of Egypt? He's still the second in command. So as the second in command in Egypt, what does he have? He has responsibilities and obligations. He still has people coming to him on a daily basis seeking to buy food, seeking to buy the corn, seeking to buy the meal. So on a daily basis, what is he doing? He is still dealing with a multitude of people. He has still got many people who are asking him questions and who are soliciting advice, who are coming to him with this scenario and coming to him with this situation. And as all these things are happening, while Joseph is now aware that his brother is still alive and that his father is still alive, while Joseph is aware of all this taking place, you 
have to imagine that while he thinks about it at times, that there are times also in the day where all of that has to be pushed back to the back of his mind because that's not really what he can afford to focus on and think about because he has so many other things to do. So here's Joseph, and he is a busy man. He's not just sitting around counting the days waiting till his brothers return. He has no idea when it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. And so Jonah gets back into his normal routine, his normal way of life. But notice in verse 15 of chapter 43. It says, And the men took the present, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. If you read verses 6 down through verse 14, here's what you understand. The brothers finally convinced their father, Jacob, you've got to send Benjamin or we're not going. So Jacob allows Benjamin to go with the other nine brothers. And uh, they stand, it says in verse 15, before Joseph. Now in verse number 16 it says, And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. Now here's what I want us to begin thinking about. Joseph is going through just another routine, normal day. Had his wife asked him in the morning, that day, Joseph, what do you have planned for the day? I think he would have done what you and I would do. He would say, well, I'm probably going to deal with this. I'm going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to address this. I'm going to have to talk to this person about this. We've got this issue going on. And Joseph would have had planned in his mind what was going to happen in the next few hours of his day. He was not planning on that being the day Benjamin showed up. Joseph was not imagining, okay, this is the day, honey, that Benjamin is going to show up, and this is when I'll continue the things that I set in place several months ago. No, every bit of this is a surprise. Every bit of this is a shock to Joseph's routine and Joseph's plan for the day. So as the day progresses, we find in verse number 29, that noon has rolled around, or what we would call lunchtime, and it says, And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. Now in verse number 30, it says this. Excuse me. It says in verse number 30 that the bowels of Joseph did yearn upon his brother. The bowels of Joseph did yearn upon his brother, that being Benjamin. What does it mean for bowels to yearn upon something? That doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? <laughs> Sounds like you need to take something and go to bed. All right. So what does it mean when it says your bowels or the bowels of Joseph did yearn upon his brother? Well, the bowels is talking about the inner man, and you and I know what it means to be struck with some kind of a feeling or some kind of emotion that it's as though it grasps us or it grabs us internally, and it's something that begins to affect us 
physically. You've had that experience at some point in your life, have you not? Where something so overtook you, where something so overwhelmed you, and it was as though you felt it physically affecting your body. And so it says, Joseph, his bowels did yearn. What does it mean for the bowels to yearn? It means this, to begin having feelings of love or compassion or kindness toward his brother. Think about this. This was his only full-blooded brother, and he had not seen him for over 20 years. The last time Joseph saw him, Joseph was 17, and Benjamin was a couple of years younger than that. And so Joseph has not seen his baby brother for over 20 years. And when this happened, he begins to be affected internally and physically. And so it comes as no surprise that it says in verse number 30 that Joseph made haste and he sought where to weep and he entered into his chamber and wept there. You know what happened? As Joseph came face to face with his brother Benjamin there at noon and was about to eat with him, Joseph became overwhelmed with an emotion and with a feeling he was not ready for. This was not what he was expecting. Now, I want us to understand this. That is so important for the direction of the message tonight. Joseph began to be so overtaken by an emotion and a feeling he was not ready for, that he was not prepared for. Mentally, he had not readied himself for what was about to happen. So he goes into the chamber, and it says, or his room, and he begins to weep there. But notice what it says in verse number 31. Again, very important. It says, and he washed his face and went out. He washed his face and went out. What did Joseph do as he was in his chamber after he had spent some time weeping. He pulled himself together. And he washed his face. And here's what happens. And we're going to look at this in just a couple of moments. Here's what happens. He says, they will not know I've been weeping. That would have seemed odd, would it not? These 11 guys looking at Joseph, and he's got big, red, puffy eyes that are still watery in the corners, and, and maybe some tears still streaming down his cheeks. That would have been odd. What happened? What took place? And so Joseph, while he is in his chamber, he washes his face, and he gets rid of any of appearance that he's been weeping, that he's been crying, and he goes out, and notice what it says. It says, as he went out, he refrained himself and said, set on bread. What does it mean when Joseph said, set on bread? It means this. All right, let's eat. Let's eat. And why is that important? Because Joseph is about to eat with his brothers. Somebody says, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal about it is found in the statement right before he says, now let's eat. It says, and he refrained himself. He refrained himself. What does it mean to refrain yourself? It means this. To abstain from an impulse. To abstain from an impulse to say or do something. Think about this. Here is Joseph. And he is having lunch with his brothers. Some that he has not seen for months. 
one that he has not seen for over 20 years, and, and brothers who are bowing down to him who have no idea who this man is that they're having lunch with. Don't you know there were many things going through Joseph's mind that he wanted to say and wanted to do? There was a battle within his flesh that, that he would want to say something or that he would want to do something based upon what? Based upon his emotions at the moment. Based upon his feelings. I mean, he has just been in his chamber or in his room weeping. And he's had to wipe the tears away and he's had to wash his face. And he's had to say to himself, all right, Joseph, get it together now. We're not going to act impulsively. We're not going to say impulsive things. We're not going to do impulsive things. I will refrain myself. I am going to keep my emotions under control. I will, listen, I will govern my emotions. My emotions will not govern me. Thrilling, isn't it? I sense the excitement building in the room. Joseph refrained himself. I will not act impulsively based upon my emotions right now. Just because I wasn't ready for it, just because I wasn't prepared for it, just because I didn't have this on my calendar for the day or my planner, I will not let my emotions control me. I am going to control my emotions. Joseph was human, was he not? Joseph was absolutely human which makes his actions that much more impressive, that I am going to maintain control. I will not let this situation control me. Now, this evening, I want to ask you a few questions, all right? Just be patient. Will you do that? Sure you will. I thought you would, so I, I really didn't even need to ask, but I, I want to be polite tonight, okay? What do you have planned for tomorrow? Just think about that. Don't answer it out loud. What do you have planned for tomorrow? What time are you going to wake up? Say, oh, goodness, I don't have any idea. Well, you're fortunate, okay? If you don't know what time you're going to wake up in the morning, God bless you, and I look forward to that stage, okay? But uh, if, if you've got a place that you have to be in the morning, what time are you going to wake up? What time will you be at work tomorrow? What do you need to get done tomorrow? After work, what do you have planned? What do you have tomorrow evening? What do you have planned tomorrow? You've got plans, don't you? So let me ask you this. At what time tomorrow or in the next week are you going to get to deal with that knucklehead at work? So I don't know. You're right, you don't know. But you know what we all know? It's coming. Now, it's not a part of your daily plan, but it is going to happen. 
Because somebody somewhere at work is going to be a knucklehead. They're going to be, you know, just doing something where you're scratching your head, thinking to yourself, what in the world is this individual doing? Okay, what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing next week? Okay, all that said, when's your boss dropping in unannounced? Oh, I don't know. You're right, we don't know. But it could happen. What have you got going on tomorrow? What have you got going on this week? Well, I've got all this going on, but but let me ask you this. When are your kids going to do something really, really dumb? My kids never. Oh, whatever. Every kid and every one of us at some point does something really, really dumb. When's that going to happen? Well, I don't know. Okay, you don't know, but we do know this. It will happen. At what point do you have it planned and scheduled and on your calendar for your spouse to irritate the dog out of you? Oh, well, we normally do that on Thursdays, so yeah we, yeah, we get that tomorrow around noon. He'll say something ignorant or I'll say something dumb. That's what we do on Thursdays. No, that's, that's not a part of our calendar, is it? Unless you just like to get it out of the way every week, and so you just schedule it. Okay, okay, it's time to fight. Let's just do this real quick, and then, and then we'll kiss and make up. No, that, that's not how we operate, right? But isn't it amazing how just kind of out of the blue, from out of nowhere, they say something or they do something, and, and it strikes us in a way that we weren't quite ready for? Okay, just sit there and stare at me. Thank you. We've, we've got our day and our week planned. When are we planning on this person to not follow through with their commitment? You know, they're going to promise, but they're not going to deliver. When do we have that unexpected expense coming in? Well, I like to have all my unexpected expenses come in right after the first of the month because that's when I get my retirement check, and so that's when it always works best. Is that how the unexpected expenses happen? See, unexpected expenses seem to imply they were not expected. Like that was not on my radar. That was not what we were planning on. I did not expect the dishwasher to break. I wasn't expecting the tire to be ruined. I wasn't expecting this to take place, whatever it may be. I was not expecting that. Now think about this. We go through life and we have all these things planned out as to what it's going to be, how it's going to look, how it's going to take place, on and on and on it goes. And then all of a sudden, these unexpected things pop up. And what does it do to our emotions and to our feelings? Sometimes it makes our bowels yearn. But not with kindness, compassion, and love. Sometimes things happen that were not planned. They were not expected. It was not a part of our, our projected you know, forecast of things to take place. And yet it happens, and now what are we dealing with? We are dealing with the set of emotions and feelings we were not prepared to deal with. So what happens when the knucklehead at work 
causes you grief. You begin immediately to deal with the emotion of anger or frustration. What happens when the car breaks down or the dishwasher quits and, and now you've got this unexpected expense? What kind of emotion are you struggling with? Well, it could be anger. It could be frustration. It could be worry now. It could be a multitude of different feelings. It could be doubt. Now, now think about this. All throughout life, you know what we're going to have? We are going to have surges of emotions and feelings that we're not ready for and that we're not prepared for. And many times, because we weren't ready for it or we weren't prepared for it, it will cause us to yearn or it will cause us to, to have a time, like Joseph did, of grief or some kind of negative feeling. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with anger. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with frustration. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with doubt. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled with worry and with fear and, and so many other emotions. But as Joseph faced this unexpected emotional challenge, please listen. What did Joseph do? He refrained himself. He said, I am going to abstain from impulsively saying or doing what I would like to say or do at this moment. As the knucklehead confronts me, immediately I'm irritated at you. Okay, but I'm not going to respond according to my impulse. This person irritates me. This person lets me down. My spouse just said something, and they don't know how much that hurt my feelings. Okay, I just had an emotion cross through my mind, and I may need to step away for a few moments and get my composure. But when I walk back into the room, I am going to control my emotions. I will not let my emotions control me. See, Joseph said... They're not going to know I've been crying. I'm going to wash my face. I'm going to go out there, and I am going to have full control of myself in this situation. We're going to eat. We're going to continue on as though nothing has happened in the last couple of moments, and I will have full control over myself. I will not let my emotions and my feelings control me. pretty impressive. It is extremely impressive when you consider the number of times we let our emotions and our feelings control us. What's wrong? Well, I'm upset. What are you upset? Well, this morning I had to deal with an idiot. Well, how many hours ago was that? It was first thing this morning. And you're still upset about that? Right? Well, it's just been one thing after another. It's been all day that I've had to deal with this person. And, and, and you said something to me. Well, when did I say something? Well, last night at supper, you said something. Uh, hold on. Last night at supper, I said something, and you're still mad at me? I, I, listen, I speak it from experiences. And Susie's not the problem. She's the one saying to me, you're still upset about that? 
I apologized last night. We talked about it, and you said, okay. Well, I know, but what that really meant was I'm still mad. It is amazing when you see Joseph saying, I will refrain myself. This was not intentional. It just happened to work kind of hand in hand with one another. But Sunday morning, turn over real quick to Proverbs, just real quick. You know I don't normally do this, but turn over to Proverbs very quickly. Chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, we looked at this in Sunday school on Sunday morning. Verse number 32, Solomon said it like this. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. You know, if you can control your anger, if you can control your temper, you know what you're better than? You are better than the mighty. And he said, and he that ruleth or governeth his spirit his inner man, his feelings, and his emotions, you know what he's better than? He is better than the soldier that taketh a city. You know how impressive it is that Joseph was able to control his emotions in that moment? It was more impressive than a soldier who could go out and defeat a city and take it. Friends, that's impressive. You know how impressive it is if we can get control of our emotions and not let anger consume us and not, not let worry consume us or, or, or not let fear and frustration consume us? Do you know how impressive it is if we can get to a point where we don't let our emotions and our feelings control us? It is more impressive and it is better and it is superior than the soldier who goes out and fights and faces those fears and takes a city. But here's our problem. So many times, we don't think about our feelings, and we don't think about our emotions. So whatever my feeling is for that moment, that's what I'm going to roll with. And, 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 and if it stays with me, you know, for five minutes, fine. If it stays with me for five hours, fine. If it stays with me for five days, fine. Five weeks, five months, or 50 years. There are people... Carrying around feelings that affected them years ago. They are walking around with these emotions that were affected by actions of someone somewhere else however many years ago, and today they refuse to get over it. It's not a sign of strength to be able to hold a grudge or to be affected for that long. You know what that's a sign of? It's a sign of weakness. Joseph, not a part of his plan, not what was on his calendar. Wow, I just had an overwhelming sense of, of sadness and emotion. Okay, yeah, I, I had it but that will not govern me. It's not wrong for us to have an emotion, but it is wrong when we let our emotions govern us. Is there an emotion governing you that ought not be governing you?
Do you let your emotions govern you throughout the day? Are you steady or are you the roller coaster? Up and down and sideways and upside down and twisted and kinked and bent out of shape. What's it like for us personally? What has control over us? Or what do we have control over? Let's all stand this evening and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight as we take just a moment to uh, spend this time in prayer. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to give some consideration to our spirit. And, Lord, how we respond to things so many times that we're not ready for. Lord, whether it be anger, whether it be frustration, bitterness, sadness, whether it be sorrow, whether it be worry or doubt, whatever it is, God, I pray that you'd help us to just give consideration to how much control it has over us versus what we control in our lives. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As Lauren plays, if you need to pray, you've got time.